Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Sitting in for Clay and Buck today, syndicated radio personality Michael Barry. As I started the show, I made the point that in 20 days, the Iowa caucus will be held. And in short order after that, eight days later, we'll be in New Hampshire. And by that time... By that time, the race will have probably narrowed a bit. Then Nevada and and Virgin Island uh, uh, caucuses two weeks later. By the time we get to March 5th, the single most important day in choosing a Republican nominee, of the 1,125 delegates needed, 874 will be up for grabs that day. 200 will have already been decided. You'll have 874 then, and then by the end of March another 710, and then about another 350, 400 after that. All by way of saying, on the morning of March 6th, I think Trump's the nominee and the race is over. At which point, the Democrats will have already been maneuvering to put their own candidate in place. And we've seen a situation like this. It was 1968. Lyndon Johnson was the sitting president, just as Democrat Joe Biden is. Lyndon Johnson was the far less popular president than the president for whom he had been the vice president, which was John F. Kennedy. Of course, the Kennedy assassination made Johnson the president. And many people then and to this day still believe that LBJ was in some way involved because he was so ambitious and wanted to be president, and it happened in Texas, and the whole thing is squirrely no matter how you look at it. But when you think about LBJ deciding not to run, and the candidates who came out, and of course Robert F. Kennedy comes out, he gets assassinated in in California, that would have been a brokered convention 
meaning they wouldn't have chosen their nominee until the convention, which happened in 56 when when they put Adlai Stevenson up against, because who, who was going to get slaughtered by Dwight Eisenhower? Why not Adlai Stevenson? It worked in 52. We'll do it again in 56. Eisenhower was just insanely popular. But Biden, the Democrat nominee, doesn't get stronger. Time doesn't allow him to become a stronger candidate. Time is his enemy. You've probably noticed that he's weaker physically today than when he took office. And if you've watched any footage of him from 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, look, Biden's politics have always been questionable. But Biden's ability to speak, to stand up straight, to simply walk, he clearly looks like an individual who physically and mentally is in an extreme decline. And I don't say that as a criticism. Sure, I'll offer all the criticisms, make all the fun. But realistically, I think any doctor who has treated patients of his age and beyond would tell you that there's more to this than just that he's an old guy. And he's a very old guy, way older than Ronald Reagan was when they were talking about how old Reagan was. And it's clear that he's not able to string together a sentence. It's clear that he's not able to walk up or down stairs by himself. It's clear that his mind wanders. These are things that we've normalized, right? Oh, Uncle Joe, he's the president. He just does these. This is not normal. It's not normal throughout American history. It's not okay. If this guy was your kid's Little League baseball coach at 12 years old, you'd say, hey, you'd pull the parents together and say, guys, we got to do something here. This guy can't be the coach. He's trying to make a pitching change two pitches in when our pitcher just threw two strikes right down the middle that they couldn't touch. We got to get him out of there. Hey guys, we got to get him out of there. He's telling our runner to steal and we don't have a runner on base. You would say there's a real problem here. If he called the right fielder in to stand right behind the pitcher for no good reason when they had a left-handed pull hitter up at bat, you'd say, all right, this is a real problem. We've got to replace him. So Trump is far more likely to be the Republican nominee than Biden is the Democrat nominee. And we'll explore who the Democrat candidates and what that campaign looks like. But it's not unprecedented. And you'll remember that in 68, you had Eugene McCarthy, you had Robert F. Kennedy. You ended up with Hubert Humphrey, former mayor of Minneapolis, not exactly a consensus candidate from a deep blue state that the South and I think the Midwest really didn't identify with. He was sort of a warmed over Adlai Stevenson without the bow tie or the clever quips. But back to it. So I told you that by March 6th, when we wake up, we have our Republican nominee. Maybe not technically. Trump may not have all the votes he needs, but he's so close to it that the race is about over, the way it was in Indiana in 2016. But the bigger question is this. The Democrats are going to do everything they can to convince voters to vote on something other than what is actually on their mind. Right now, there are 12 abortion initiatives, 12 different states that have abortion initiatives on the ballot come November 5th. Do you know why? Because you get women who are scared to death of crime 
in their community. You get women who, in some cases, have children, and they've got grown. They got the fear of grown men coming in and doing a dance naked or close enough to it in the classroom. They've got books about butt sex in the elementary school. You've got all of these things going on, but some women, sadly, many of them suburban women and lots of them urban women, will say, "Oh, well, if they're taking away my right to have an abortion." You're 38 with four kids. Are you really having abortions? This issue polls extraordinarily well, particularly with white women swing voters. Now, as they go into the ballot box, they're scared to death that some guy who's murdered four people, been arrested four times and released by the Democrats and a Soros-backed district attorney, they're scared to death that that guy's going to murder them on the way in but they must protect the ability of a pregnant woman to murder her child. They've been conditioned to it. It's about girl power. We've got to hang together. We've got to stick together. And they've bought that bull. That is very clever on the Democrats' part. That is the way that Democrats manage to overcome what should be an absolute slaughter. So you got 51-49 in the Senate right now. 48 Democrats with three independents, making 51 for them to 49. You've got Joe Manchin in West Virginia retiring. That means that West Virginia, which is solidly Republican, replaces Joe Manchin with a Republican making it 50-50. Now, interestingly, the presidential race takes on an extra bit of importance, as if it wasn't important enough already in an era of the imperial presidency and executive orders. Now, whoever is president also drags along with him the vice president, who happens to be the presiding officer of the Senate, breaking ties. Kamala Harris has broke more ties than any vice president in American history because we've been close enough to 50-50 for all of that time, 50-50 or 51-49. So now winning the White House also means that you control the Senate if the Senate holds at 50-50. And we'll get later into the week, we'll get into those Senate races that are up for grabs. There are 34 of them, one of them a Nebraska special election that you would expect Republicans to win. There is a chance to have a 51-49 Republican majority come January of 2025, but we've also seen where Republicans can squander these great opportunities. Republicans have an eight-vote majority in the House of Representatives. You've got 35 confirmed retirements in the House right now. 19 of the 35, 19 to 16, are Democrats rather than Republicans, and you've got a lot of races that are now more competitive than they would have been, so you would expect that if Republicans don't screw it up, and if anyone can, they will, if Republicans don't screw it up, Republicans could end up in January of 2025 with the White House, the Senate, and the House. Now, what would they do with it? Well, in January of 17, they had it. And I would argue the most notable accomplishment was at the end of that year and a tax cut that absolutely put our economy on warp speed. And a lot of wealth was created in what was called by Nancy Pelosi crumbs that were given back to taxpayers. But that's not true. People who sought opportunity found it. 
and created more wealth. And you would think that everybody would be for that, but we know that's not true. In an era where you believe that government is corrupt and helps their friends, government attacks and harasses American citizens, and government is failing to protect Americans, you look to the institutions of your society that should be stopgaps, and you see a collapse everywhere. You see a collapse in America's corporations, the messages they send, where they used to uh, uh, pay tribute to our military. Now you've got on April 1st, what I would argue, and we'll talk about this coming up, was perhaps the biggest collapse of a corporate image in my lifetime overnight, self-inflicted. And that is when Dylan Mulvaney uploaded his March Madness video and Bud Light made the mistake of standing behind him. We'll talk about that coming up. I'm Michael Berry in for Clay and Buck all week. Clay and Buck 24-7. Subscribe today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge, I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Berry in for Clay and Buck. Honored to have you here with us. You can reach me directly by email at michaelberryshow.com. Americans feel that our government is failing to protect us. 
But our government is attacking us and harassing everyday citizens. One of them being a man who represents, for many, the guy who is fighting back for everyday Americans, Donald Trump. On March 30th, the New York indictment came out. You, you have the cases in out of New York, for instance, that are basically over a loan guarantee and the value of assets that are pledged or assessed as collateral to take a loan. This is the sort of nonsense that years later would never be brought to a courtroom. For a low-information voter that doesn't understand, they figure, well, Trump did some really bad things or they wouldn't have brought a case. But it's one of those things that begins as an exciting headline. They got Trump this time. And then it fizzles out. And then you have the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which, in addition to being a beautiful resort, is where the president lives. And I think that's a moment I started noticing with listeners even the folks who weren't sure on Trump but voted for him twice before, maybe he did some things wrong, maybe he didn't. That was the moment where it became clear that this is an abs absolute persecution. This is just too far. If they can do that to him, what can they do to you? And then enters Jack Smith. Jack Smith shouldn't have even been eligible to be a special counsel. But he was, and he's a hack. And you might say, well, well, why do they keep bringing up these people? Their spouse is here, and they do this. Well, why do they keep bringing people from their own little cabal? Because that's who they trust, and their echo chamber is very, very small. These are the people willing to plod on despite the fact that the law and the facts are against them. And anyone less than Donald Trump would have bowed out because this wasn't really about some crime that had supposedly been committed. It was about getting him out of the race. And there were two options, both of which looked very good to Jack Smith and the people driving him to do this. The first option was Trump himself bows out. And we say, hey, no harm, no foul. You step out of the race. You're not a young man, and we dropped the case. How many times have you seen an elected official who charges are brought, they're arrested, charges are brought, and they agree to step down from their position and not run for re-election in exchange for the charges going away? Well, what about the average person? They would have been prosecuted. In this case, I truly believe that they thought Trump would say, you know what, I got to be president, I'm a rich man, I think I'll retire at this point. But he didn't. If he stayed in, in, the, in the fight, they never thought they'd win. There was always a chance. If he stayed in the fight, the second thing was this would turn people against him. I've never in my life seen someone come under attack and become more popular as a result. Gary Hart bowed out of the race whenever in, in 88 when it was discovered, discovered what he was doing out on the monkey business. Mark Sanford, a Republican from South Carolina, never recovered 
from the Appalachian Trail hike, him being on was down in Nicaragua or South America. I've never seen a candidate come under attack. Even Bill Clinton didn't become more popular as a result of it. And as it's turned out, I think most Americans recognized, you know what? The FBI could kick down my door. They kicked down little old ladies who were there on January 6th. The FBI could kick down my door over any number of things. And after they're done with Trump, they're coming for me. And that makes people love Trump in a way that DeSantis or Haley can never pry them loose from him. And that's why Trump's the nominee. Michael Berry in for playing Buck. And uh, I tell you what, we'll take some of your calls coming in up in the next hour. 1-800-282-2882. 1-800-282-2882. You can always email me through the website, michaelberryshow.com. We'll talk about that and more coming up. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. A proud Houstonian. Here's Michael Berry from News Radio 740 KTRH. Well, it's taken me longer to get to the point I wanted to get to, but maybe because I repeat myself too often. Who knows? I'm trying to explain the Trump phenomenon in a way that I don't think the operatives and consultants and really, really smart political people explain. And part of that is wagging my finger at myself in the mirror because I didn't see the Trump phenomenon coming in 2016 because I was blinded by the same vast experience in political campaigns, study of political campaigns, and being in an echo chamber of political consultants and operatives. You see, most campaigns were run on a similar playbook for a very long time before the Trump candidacy of 2016. And I think a big reason for the Trump candidacy in 2016 was eight years of hell under Barack Obama. Trump considered running for president in 1988 as a Reform Party candidate. In fact, they had all the balloons and everything ready, and part of that, it was argued, was to sell his book. And he considered again running in 2000 as a Reform Party candidate, and it ended up being, I believe, Pat Buchanan. And that was a sort of a holdover from the the Ross Perot sort of outsider, Jack Kemp, Pat Buchanan. It became as close to a third party in the modern era as we've seen. And it was kind of a catch-all for the folks who didn't want to go to war and some Ron Paul folks and some folks who didn't want corporate welfare and some folks who wanted a little more common-sense government and some folks who were tired of maybe the Bush-driven Republican Party and the Romneys and, and, and the first families that ran the Republican Party that all seemed to love war and war manufacturers and really, really conservative, beat-down-your-door type big government. But in 2016, Donald Trump has grown. He's recognized by that time that there's an opportunity to win the Republican nomination, which is the only way to win. You can't win as a third-party candidate. He recognizes that there is an opportunity within the party system 
to cobble together a coalition without having the party apparatus and the big donors behind you. And he did it. Cruz was on pace to win in the same way that George W. Bush had won in 2000, with evangelicals, big donors, and traditional Reagan conservatives. What Trump proved was there are a lot of voters who like UFC. And there are a lot of voters, especially 30 to 60 year old males who watch, or who listen to sports radio instead of politics quite so much. And there are a lot of voters who are really tired of candidates like Mitt Romney and John McCain and their ilk. And he cobbled together that coalition and once they started hitting him, his ability to punch back and the fact that he frightened the Democrats so much created this aura around him that I think some of was probably lost by about 21, 22, maybe even into early 23. I heard a lot less talk about him. I heard a lot less excitement over him. And I think that's where the DeSantis campaign peaked, was a lot of folks who said, hey, I was with Trump. I was in the inner circle. I I thought Trump was great. But Trump can't win. So we're all going to go over to DeSantis. There's going to be a critical mass. Trump's going to look up and say, I had a good run. Trump, uh, uh, DeSantis is my obvious heir apparent. And I'm going to bow out and wish him well and live at Mar-a-Lago. But when they started indicting Trump and, and when folks got behind DeSantis and I think Trump said, you know, Still a little gas in this. It's Tom Brady coming back out of retirement. It's Brett Favre coming back out of retirement. It's, it's, you know what? I miss it. I can't let them win. And the, the them wasn't DeSantis. I can't let, I can't let the people who said I shouldn't be president win. And I, I think that at that moment, Trump's my guy. DeSantis did nothing wrong. I don't think he slammed Trump. I don't think he, I think DeSantis found himself in the situation that he wanted the brass ring and folks said, how dare you want the brass ring if Trump still is, if Trump's still in the hunt. And that turned a lot of people against him. Does it ruin his chances for 28? Absolutely not. I don't think he's a great retail politician. And even in a television era, I think you have to be good one on one and DeSantis is even according to people around him, he's not very good at that. Does that matter that much? It shouldn't, but it does. And I don't think he conveys well across the television. I do think he's a hell of a good governor. I just don't think he stands a chance against Trump. Nikki Haley I'll get to later. Not a fan, not even a little bit. Don't like Nikki Haley, not even. Nikki Haley is Bush in heels uh, to me. I know I didn't coin that phrase, but it's true. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley is is riding on the crest of people who want us back at war. And there are people who, who thrill to, to that. Uh, I, I think there are people who get really, really excited about that. Let's go to Dave in New Hampshire because I understand he thinks I'm wrong on abortion, and I think that's a good conversation to have. Dave, you're up. Thank you. Yeah, you're dead wrong. Just look, And I'm a Trump guy, was and, and will be. Um, you just have to look at the 2022 red wave. Ha, ha, ha. Worst economy, open border, gas prices high, no food, China wars. 
abortion. They they uh, released the decision early. They got their base all riled up. Look at 2023. Again, go down this little off-year election. Look at it. The Republicans have not countered the Democrat very, very well-orchestrated argument of you want a national ban on abortion. You want us to keep our uh, uh, incest baby and our rape baby. You people are evil including Trump at the CNN debate, I, I mean, town hall, I was very disappointed in him. You have to answer that question. The, the response, even from Trump, was, oh, well, you know, no, it should be state rights. No one has said, no, we do not want a national ban on abortion. My own daughter, a 27-year-old conservative voter, is is going to be swayed, has already said, it's the abortion issue. So Republicans, GOP, Trump, open your eyes. It, maybe you don't want, and I, I, I heard, I was listening to you about what you said about, you know, polls and what women want and this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely not. It is not about the economy. It is not about the, abor- the border. It is not about energy. It is not about Iran. It's about abortion. And the GOP, I'm sorry, is too stupid to figure it out. Dave, I appreciate you sharing your opinion, um, but I think you are infected with the condition that most people suffer, and that is the belief that everybody feels exactly the way you do to the extent that you do, and it's simply not true. There is a reason that Democrats are putting abortion on the ballot. In 12 states already, there will be more. Even in states where abortion is not under attack, they're putting this on the ballot because that's a winner for them in that state. You know, one of the great frustrations from our side of the aisle, I am extraordinarily pro-life, extraordinarily pro-life. However, I have come to learn that there are many, many people. This is like talking about Israel. It's like talking about blacks. It's like talking about gays. It's like talking about a number of things where certain people, if you don't say exactly what they want you to say in the terms they want to hear you say them, as loud as they want you to say them, as often as they want you to say them, no matter the subject, then they try to demonize you and put you on the other side because that's the howling tactic they have learned. And don't don't think for a second our side hasn't done it because our side does do it. And abortion is one of those issues. It is not enough that you be pro-life. It is not enough that you be pro-life. You have to believe that the only issue that matters and the only issue we should fight for is pro-life. And I'll tell you, there was a candidate for whom that was his entire campaign, Mike Pence. How did he do? Mike Pence was brought onto the Trump ticket in 2016. Trump didn't want him. Trump actually wanted Chris Christie. There's a lot written about this, including you can ask the Trump family members. Pence was left waiting on a runway where it was, if he, if the flight took off, it was a private plane, to come and see Trump then he was going to be the vice president. And he was left waiting because Trump was pushing back. Trump trusted Chris Christie's political instincts much better than Pence, and Pence kind of freaked him out. And wouldn't he creep you out? He's an odd bird. Mike Pence is a 1952 Republican 
who is concerned with a couple of social issues and support our troops in as many wars as we can be in. There's not a coalition for that anymore. The voter has left that behind. I'm pro-life. I think most Republican voters are pro-life. But I can tell you that in many places, it may not be where you are, but in many places where abortion is on the ballot, and Democrats are the ones that always put it there, where abortion is on the ballot in a swing state, more Republicans will vote Democrat than Democrats will vote Republican on that issue. You can't just say, I'm pro-life, therefore it'll win. It's not true. It's been put up for a vote. The Democrats sit in a room, really smart people, and they say, look, inflation is out of control. We can't raise the interest rates fast enough, high enough to bring it under control. We, we just can't do it. So we're going to have to live with the inflation. we got to get the interest rate back down because now we're killing the economic activity. Crime is out of control, and it's tied to us. Uh, the George Floyd case has fallen apart. We've defunded police. Crime is up in the cities. The border is wide open, and we really don't know what to do because some people want the wide open border. They're having to argue that they want it. Some of them recognize it's going to cost them some congressional seats. We've got Biden out there who is embarrassing. There's no way around that. We've got Hunter and all the crimes to which Joe Biden is tied because without Joe Biden as his father, Hunter would still be stuck with those teeth that were rotten and not have $70,000 to replace them. Kamala's a joke. That's why they they don't use her. They don't roll her out. They don't say, well, if nothing else, she can be the president. Remember, she bowed out before Iowa because she couldn't, she couldn't get any traction. Nobody likes her, including women. So they've got a horrible, horrible state of affairs. And what do they do? They bring out abortion. It's the one thing that mobilizes their voters. And you know what else they're going to bring out? Racism, because it's the other thing that mobilizes their voters. We'll take some more calls, 1-800-282-2882. I'm Michael Berry. More of Clay and Buck coming up. Making sense in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Berry in for Clay and Buck. And one of the reasons I like to read emails occasionally during the show is I get feedback that may represent an opinion that lots of people have. And one of them I keep getting is, Michael, um, all that sounds great for Trump to win. I'm a Trump guy, but they're not going to let him on the ballot, so we won't have a choice. Look at Colorado. Okay, that's what a particular listener in Colorado wrote but a number of you have had some version. Let me consolidate that into one statement. First of all, you were told by the headline, Colorado Supreme Court keeps Trump off ballot. Oh, my goodness. Well, he they're not letting him run for president. March 5th, Super Tuesday, which I told you about earlier, which is the single most important day in the Republican presidential primary. That's the most votes up for grabs, 874. With 1125, you can win the entire nomination. So if you ran the table on Super Tuesday, nobody could beat you. Now, the Colorado Supreme Court ruling said that Trump won't be on the ballot, won't be allowed on the ballot on March 5th, Super Tuesday. Except, and, and that was the blaring headline. And then TV shows said, what, what do you make of this? Will other states follow? Trump won't be on the ballot. Is this a good or bad thing? What do we do? But what they didn't do was read the opinion and tell you that there's a little exception down at the bottom, a little exception that would make that headline a lot less interesting. There were seven members of the Colorado Supreme Court, all of them Democrats. It was only a 4-3 decision, so it wasn't like it was an overwhelming decision anyway. But here's what they did. They said... This decision will be stayed. That means put it over to the side and it won't go into effect. If the Trump campaign appeals to the Supreme Court on or before January 4th, which is the last day that you can file to be on the ballot on March 5th, they didn't have to appeal and win. The Supreme Court didn't have to hear it. They just have to file an appeal. That triggers a stay of the Supreme Court. In other words... The Colorado Supreme Court said, this is our decision, unless they appeal to the Supreme Court, in which case we, the Colorado Supreme Court, will stay our decision. It won't matter anyway. But if people knew that, then you wouldn't be all charged up and angry, right? But that's the reality. That's the fact. So Trump will appeal before January 4th. They may have already, for all I know. They'll appeal before January 4th, and Trump will be on the ballot. In fact, Minnesota last month, a far more liberal state, had an opportunity to keep him off, and they didn't. And oh, by the way, the Republican Party said, even 
if you do that, we'll pull out and have a caucus instead of a primary anyway. Because Trump's popular there and he's going to win Colorado. And he will win Colorado. And he'll win those delegates. And that will be on his march to get the nomination. And in the meantime, you will have wasted a lot of time being really angry over something that a lot of people knew wasn't going to come to pass. I'm Michael Berry. You can reach me at michaelberryshow.com. I'll be here all week. More of the Clay and Buck Show coming up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. who's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.